This is Object to This, an Ace Attorney fancast. I'm Stephanie, a hollow chalice. Big mood. I'm Michelle, the most abject closing arguments anyone's ever said, ever, in a court of law. Ever. Ever. Period. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to more of this. More of this. More of this. More of this great Ace Attorney. This content. <laughs> hey. Hey, hey, we got news. Oh, we have news? <laughs> Uh, well, there's a little bit of news. You texted me early I mean, morning last night. I don't remember when. I guess it's not really. I mean, okay. So I guess the news clarification is so two two parts and I'm not looking at anything. So you'll have to forgive me. One part one is like, remember how we were like, what is this Ace Attorney crossover with like Capcom crossover with the guy who made Astro Boy event? Yeah. Right. I guess it was just like a weekend showcase and there was some tweets and it was like a go in person and see the gallery or whatever. Well, that's over. Everybody had fun. It was, there was a lot of 25th anniversary, like, hey, happy 25th or 20th anniversary. I don't even remember. 20th, I think. Mm-hmm. Ace Attorney's 20th birthday was this month. Happy birthday, Ace Attorney. You can Good almost birthday. drink. <laughs> almost. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that happened. But then the, the other news is that Capcom Cafe, a special for the 20th anniversary, they're like kind of Capcom Cafe's Twitter just is kind of like rolling out pictures of the food. And we had talked about some of them, I think, where there was like a blue drink that was Trucy and they posted uh, the same exact picture of the blue drink and no other angles on it. And that's fine. But they posted who I assume is Clavier Gavins this past weekend. And I had to send it to Stephanie because I was so gay at like 730 in the morning on a Sunday <laughs> because I was a guest. <laughs> So and it's in a wooden guitar. Yeah, and cute. It, at the at the top of the guitar is three onion rings. Three. Mm-hmm. Three total. And then at the bottom of the guitar, on okay, to the side of the guitar, before the bottom, to the side of the guitar, there's a tiny teardrop little metal dipping sauce thingy full of ketchup. Um like, and like then a the bottom pick. section. Oh yeah, I guess it is a guitar pick. I was just like, who's I thought it was tears, right? While my <laughs> guitar gently weeps or whatever. I don't know. So and then the bottom of the guitar, half of it is French fries. So your your sides for this dish are three onion rings, a cup and a half of French fries. And then the other side is what I, I assume to be a calzone, because they were referring to it as pizza, but it's pizza that's been folded in half with pointy ends. And then the the tra- Google Translate of the tweet said that it is reminiscent of Clavier Gavin's hair, and that's why it's Clavier Gavin's food. And I, my response to Michelle was, I cannot think of anything more appetizing than to dig into some food and think, ah, yes, somebody's hair. Yeah. Uh, I is it was it spooky though? I mean, it is Halloween month. Is it spooky to eat hair pizza with a side of French fries and onion rings? Uh, I mean, the combo is not what it gasps me, obviously. Uh, I am It's spooked. not a big piece of pizza. I can't no. stress this enough. It is a tiny piece of It's probably an inch and a half wide, the the pizza fold, right? Like, it is, right. it is a strip of pizza with french fries and onion rings. Like, what? No, it's not good. They didn't even give you a salad? Like, I don't no. know. They spent all the money on the guitar plate. 
I, I mean, I have pizza with french fries sometimes in my life, but the, I also understand that that's not a correct combination, and I'm a disgusting heathen when I do that, right? Like, Yeah, but you gotta give the slack of, like, this is Japan doesn't know how Americans actually eat. I think you gotta take that with a grain of salt there. Is, I can't remember, is Klavier Gavin American in Japan? No, he's German. Is he, st- he's still German? Like, in the Japanese translation, is he still German? Unsure, actually. Do not know for sure. Um, Is it better if he is German, or is it worse if he's German? I think it's worse. (laughs) Because, like, if if Claver Gavin's American in the Japanese translation, and this is his American meal, right, then I'm on board again, because it's it's very lampshade hilarious, right? But Germans, do Germans eat french fries, onion rings, and pizza? (laughs) (laughs) No. With ketchup? I'm going to Google real quick. Ketchup is not a pizza dipping sauce, okay? Ketchup is not. Like, I know it's for the french fries and onion rings, but, like, there's, you going to have the, your weird calzone dry? Like, I don't understand. Your one-inch pizza roll? Like, what's going on? We will we will uh, not spend too much more time on this, but... We, we have to, we spend half an hour on fucking the Capcom Cafe every time, and I'm so sorry, everyone, but I'm obsessed with it, because I can't understand the reasoning of anything they do. I, you see, now you're making me double-guess double, double guess myself, too. Is, what's his Japanese name? Is it even Claver Gavin's meal? It's, um, well, so the, the translation said Ryu, right? Uh, his yeah. name in Japanese is, uh, Kyu... Kyugai Garu? Oh, God. It's not even his meal. No, I don't think it oh. is. Oh, no. It, it's worse it, now. Do you think it's for Jove Justice? <laughs> the Wandering Minstrel? It can't Minstrel? be for Jove Justice. Okay, Kyoya Fang Ryu is the Google Translate of it. Uh, let's see. Does the wiki tell me anything else helpful? Well, I, I might have good news because I've put in Kyoya Fang Ryu into Google and it's somebody from Beyblade. So maybe this is an Ace Attorney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it well, said Love Love Guilty, which I thought was like them translating uh, his, his the, uh, um, Guilty Love. Guilty Love song. Yeah. Bad Google Translate. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just keep wondering and move on. No, no, no. Okay, no. Because Love, Love, Guilty absolutely results in the Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Love, Love, Guilty, Guilty, Love. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love, Love, Guilty originally. So, who the fuck? It's Love, Love, Guilty, Twisted Pizza. So, I'm back on board of thinking it's about Claymere again. (laughs) Oh, I forgot to mention, the whole of the guitar is a candle, but it's like a shit LED candle that looks like it's been photoshopped in. And then there's two basil leaves on top of the... French fries, and then there's a the Gaviner's logo next to the onion rings. So I'm fully on board with this being Claybird Gavin's again. <laughs> okay, definitely, probably is then. Um, I just wow, I almost threw this Beyblade kid under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, the wiki does not, or the um, or court records easily tells me what his nationality is originally in Japan. So we're just gonna have to move on. <laughs> uh, anyway, go if you're in Japan, go enjoy Claybird Gavin's hair pizza. <laughs> for me for stephanie <laughs> do it for me okay i don't is there any actual news <laughs> aside from the birth the birthday the ace attorney birthday um no i don't think there's news just happy 20th birthday to ace they made some nendroids nobody gives a shit let's keep going <laughs> now nah. all right so we are going to do the recap of case three of gacked 
or as everyone knows it, Grace Ace Attorney. Um, so uh, if you don't want spoilers, uh, tune out. We are, I do have all your emails. Trust me, I got your emails. They're beautiful. Mm, they're delicious, your emails. I've read them. They're mine now. We're, we're um, going to have to have a whole episode of emails. We're going to have to have an whole episode of emails. So send in more thoughts and emails. We're going to get through the third case recap today. And then we're going to we're gonna go over that stuff in the near future. So uh, definitely send your stuff in. Object to this podcast at gmail.com. Um, and in the meantime, uh, here we go. Uh, here we go. Um, so case number three is called The Adventure of the Runaway Room. And at this point, we all know the drill. We're starting these with some classic Herlock Sholmes, Sherlock Holmes, uh, in the old-fashioned way that they look, not Bishonans. And this one is Herlock sort of voiceovering, being describing a murder in a runaway carriage, like horse-drawn carriage, and how that's the prelude to that Japanese student and Mai's adventures. Okay, smash cut to anime cutscenes. Beautiful. There's buildings and trains and Sasado and Rinosuke arrive at a train station in Britain. And they're amazed. Wow, everything's so big. But oh no, we have to go straight to the Supreme Court. Also, everyone's super British and it's weird to my American ears. <laughs> yes, they. there's that. And uh, they're wearing their winter coats and they're very cute. Very cute. In, in their little winter coats. Um, we go to this room court. We go to the Lord Chief Justice's office, which is massive, like huge, massive. And it's inside the face of a clock and there's giant gears turning in the background. And uh, we're, he's two hours late for our meeting, which is real fucked up. <laughs> we waited for two hours because we showed up on time. We waited. F- we showed up on time. So we waited for two hours inside his giant gear room. But we're chill about it. I think. I think they would want us to believe we're chill about it because we're Japanese, but really we're chill about it because we're the least pushy people in existence. Is that Ryu and The least pushy people in existence. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so the Chief Justice show up, shows up and, and his name is Male Strongheart. Yes. Which really upset me. I think that's not... It, this is our Ace Attorney pun problem. His name is is Manstrong Heart. Are you kidding me? It's just a bad one. It just doesn't make sense. So this guy, and, he looks yeah, like he, he belongs like? in a fighting game. Like he walked into from Ace Attorney off like the set of like Marvel versus Cap, not Marvel vs. Capcom, but like like a Soul Caliber or something, or Attack In. Because uh, he's just like beefy. He's massive. He's bulky. He's broad, even for Ace Attorney standards. His hair is slicked back, and he's got like tiny evil eyes and i was trying to figure (laughs) out like how to describe his facial hair uh i get there um uh and so he's like massive he's got a big brooch holding his collar together and he's got a white shirt and a cravat his jacket's like a dark mustard color i want to say it's double breasted but it's very intricate He's got thick square guy liner on. He's clock theme. He's got a cane he spins around. And this is where I realize in all cap, oh no, he's got Gant facial hair. He's got bad, he's got mad Gant energy. Like yeah. peak Gant energy. It's, it's the, I was like, he's got like some weird mud and chops going on. Oh no, it's Gant. Gant. <laughs> like really threw me once I pieced it together. But that's exactly what it is. Um, so he rolls in and he's like, oh, sorry for being uh, two hours late. And and we're like, it's okay. Uh, we wanted to let you know that uh, that our boy Kazuma died on the boat. And he's like, uh, I did get a telegram about that two and a half weeks ago, but thanks. You know, like, 
He super doesn't care. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, you Japanese really do want to see things through the end. Okay, well. Okay, yeah, all right. And then we're like, hey, could I be appointed a lawyer so we could stay on tour? And he's like, well, have you heard about this great exhibition that they're going to have in town soon? And we're like, hey, what about our request to be a lawyer? <laughs> he's like, no, I don't think so. And and Rinosuke's like, but I have to do everything Cosmo would have. And for some reason, this is the thing that like ticks the judge over and he's like okay if you're gonna do everything Cosmo would have I'll give you a test and your test is there's gonna be a murder trial this morning no defense has been appointed so if you can get a not guilty then you pass the test and you get to be special appointed as a as a great British attorney and we're like well that's kind of well and he's like oh and also capital punishment guilty murderers are put to death without exception by hanging we are so insulted, ensconced. So, uh, but uh, this is insane. Like we've never heard of this. This is is so so brutal and immoral. We can't believe it. We can't be participating in a death by hanging situation. We refuse on principle that the this defendant might be hanged if we don't do our job good. We refuse to take the test. Right. The way they phrase it more is like um. I like listen. This is a test, and I know nothing about like I'm a dum dum who just read a bunch of books on a boat. Uh, you can't put a man's life in my hands like that. Right? Yeah. The the he ribs you saying that you lack resolve, but but Rianosuke says that treating a man's life with such triviality is as a test would be unforgivable. Right. Right. So that's sort of our argument but then we're about to leave and the and the chief justice says well he doesn't have any attorney at all he has no advocate so he's gonna die without you for sure basically you're his only chance to live yeah we're like Um, what the hell yeah we're kind of like what the hell and he's like well you got 20 minutes before the trial starts and you could just about make it to the old bailey (laughs) bye-bye spins Um, his cane away yeah, spins away. So we do it. We This persuades us, so we agree. Even though Susada was, like, totally on board with us, like, the whole time. She was with us. The, like, we change our minds and we go. Let me make um, a side note here. Yeah. Does this mean that Ryanosuke Naruhoto brought the death penalty to Japan? Interesting. Yes. Because... There That's was no death penalty in Japan. We are ensconced by this. And Susato, who is a Japanese legal assistant, is also ensconced, right? But then in the current day Ace Attorney Games in Japanifornia, the death penalty is death by hanging. Yeah, so I think that's what that means. And and Ryunosuke is here on a tour of Japan to bring back the Japanese legal or the British legal system to Japan. So vis-a-vis, yes, Ryunosuke Naruhoto brought the death penalty to Japanifornia. Wow. Wow. My side was going to be, at this point, I was like, oh, man, I didn't investigate this room. And I tried to, and Susato will, tries to, Susato, uh, take down you if you try to investigate the room without leaving. I also did not investigate the room. <laughs> so I was like, damn. She's like, we have to go. Hours. We do not have yeah. time for this. And I was like, but I forgot to, I forgot to poke at things. <laughs> you don't get to go um, back. <laughs> we do not get to, we, or at least not at this time, right? Not at this time. Not in this case. So we get on uh, our we get on our carriage and we're like ah, we go. pay a lot of money. It was thrilling, bracing in the cold in our little yes. tram, um, um, and we make it to the old Bailey and we meet our defendant whose name is Magnus McGilded. 
Uh, Magnus McGilded is a tiny Willy Wonka of a man. Uh, he is got a purple overcoat, like a steely blue hair. It's curled around the side with thick matching eyebrows. He's got a tall top hat that's got like really nice gold piping up, and it it's got like an octagon shape to it. Um, if you look from the top down, um, and then he's got a pink bow tie, yellow scarf, and he's got like massive rings on his hands, a la red white. And uh, when I do say he's a tiny Willy Wonka of a man, his height is important to his character. This is true. Um, and he's scummy. He's a scummy man. He's He seems kind of scummy. He speaks very informally. And like later, the reason for this I, that they give is that he's Irish. Oh, uh, yeah. They're trying um, to give him a very thick Irish accent. And so there's like a lot of like slang and apostrophes in his, t- in his words. Yeah, and uh, he's very rich, and he looks like a Leighton character, too. So just, like, keep... He's straight out of a Leighton game. But the... the We're like, hey, you got all this money, how come you can't get a lawyer? And he's he says, because the Reaper of the Bailey, Prosecutor Baron, Baron Von Zeeks... I'm still calling him Baroque here. We had so many translations of his name that I'm gonna fuck this up, y'all. So if I accidentally call him Baroque Van Zeeks or Baron Von Zeeks or whatever, like, it's because of all the pre-translations that we got. But anyway, Van Zeeks. Um, Van Zeeks is always gets a guilty verdict, so no defense attorney will stand up to him ever. So we're like, okay, we'll take the case, and then we go in. Um, Van Zeeks starts off by doing that vampire cape thing. It's amazing. <laughs> he, he, he's like fully vampire caped. And he says, your expressionless eyes please him since they are the look of a sacrificial lamb. Yeah. Um, I also have a note here that I cannot imagine Von Zeke standing and Ryu actually standing next to each other because they look so different. It's like an yeah. Ace Attorney character standing next to actual Edward Cullen. Like... <laughs> His vampire vibes are so strong, y'all. Like, with the cape, but also his paleness and his his vacant eyes that are supposed to be looking at things, but they're not quite... Oh, he's just a bride of a person. He's, yeah, he is definitely, like, fully a trip. Uh, I'm happy happy to have him. Honestly, Um, though, yeah. Uh, Uh, You know, this shit starts as a mess, though. So the judge, behind the judge are enormous scales of justice, which are on fire at all times. Keep that in mind. One's white, one's black. The judge is like, hey, kid, do you speak English and shit? Well, like, Van Zeeks is back there doing his vampire shit, you know, like... (laughs) (laughs) The gallery is, like, muttering about, like, oh, McGilded's so nice. Magnus McGilded's a saint. He paid for our park. Like, the gallery loves him. And we're just kind of like, what's happening? Um, we are introduced to the jury. There's a jury of six. It's half men and half women. I have a parenthetical here that says women couldn't be on juries until 1921 in Great Britain. <laughs> According to Dr. Google, where's your historical accuracy now? <laughs> anyway, ignore that. Um, one of the jury members is spinning a knife around. Past me was like, oh, I'm sure that has nothing to do with this case. Present me is going to have a whole diatribe about the moral of this game later. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, I can do a rundown. I got like a a one sentence of each of the jurors you want. So I got the judge. Flip through the juries real quick. Yeah. The judge himself is a a very endearing. uh, He's got red robes, gold edging, black shirt, light like necktie uh he's got a bushy beard he's got a fake little wig on and his mustache is separate from the top of his beard tiny round glasses 
thick square and pensive eyebrows and his short curly hair like rolled up. It's definitely a wig because it moves in the middle of the case. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, I like this judge. I do too. Um, he's, I found, I like how he says, order, order. <laughs> I like how they do that. Um, jury number, okay, so jury number one is a very square uh, man. Everyone's in top hats. Uh, assume they're in a top hat unless I say they're not, basically. Um, <laughs> he's very square, blonde, uh, black suit, red rose in his breast pocket. Number two is a bored looking housemaid um, with like brown hair and pigtails, but your classic maid look. Um, Juror number three is this young pompous knife-throwing guy, life lavender cloak. He's flipping his knife. He's got uh, multiple ear piercings. Number four is a very stirred-looking blonde lady, bright green outfit, glasses with a monocle chain. Her hair's pulled back tight with a small little top hat, and she's typing on a typewriter uh, very vigorously. Juror number five is a small man from the Me Generator. He's got a horseshoe brooch, um, a green outfit, a mustache, everything's green. He's openly drinking from a flask. And juror number six is a knitting sweet granny, plump, her eyes are closed, she's wearing pink, uh, and her hair is pulled into a top bun with a little cover on it. So we got a wide variety of, like, characters on the jury. Yes, definitely all characters, for sure. Um, okay, so we've seen the jury. Van Zeeks, the judge is like, oh, welcome back. Turns out Van Zeeks has not practiced for five years. Like, he's been off the bench and now he's back. This is his first trial in five years. Uh, I'm sure that has nothing to do with any future cases, so don't... Yeah, just forget about that. I'm sure it's not important. Um, all right, we get into it. So three days ago, a mason, a brick crafter, right, was found stabbed in an omnibus cab. They refer to the cabs as omnibuses. They're, they're horse-drawn tr- trolley, like, little carts or whatever that that are functionally like buses, Right. Right. Public I have never transport. heard these called omnibuses before, and it really bothered me the whole time. I haven't either, and at no point do they just call it, like, a carriage. A carriage. Yeah. Right? Like, That's what, I was so, like, oh, it's a carriage, or like an omnibus, and I'm like, what the fuck? They exclusively call it an omnibus, and I just want it to be called a carriage, but, you know, maybe the word bus, the way that we refer to buses, is descendant from the word omnibus. Quite frankly, I don't care. Don't email me. Anyway, I'm going to call it a carriage. (laughs) So he was, the Mason was stabbed in a cab a little after 10 p.m. Two passengers were riding that night, the victim and the defendant. The defendant was arrested while wearing bloody gloves at the scene. The defendant testifies he was asleep and he always falls asleep in carriages because of the movement. He claims that the blood got on his gloves when he was trying to help after he woke up and he saw the body, right? He saw the guy bloody, he tried to help him, got blood on his gloves. Um, There are three witnesses, Beppo the driver, um, I'll run through these and then you could describe them more. Beppo the driver who's freezing cold even inside, Bruce Fairplay, a dignified banker who stands in profile most of the time, and Lady First, a gentleman hatter whose top hat is Frankenstein together and won't stay on. That's perfectly apt descriptions. We don't have to go into anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, um, so Van Zeeks brings in the cab. Like, the cab itself is brought into the courtroom as evidence. The whole the so, whole ass thing. We're all like, the oh. The whole ass thing. Oh, Bailey's so big you could fit a whole cab in it. Yeah, we're like, wow, isn't Great Britain amazing? <laughs> so the carriage... Um, Two horses can fit up to eight passengers, four inside, four on top. There's a skylight in the roof. 
the top passengers can see down inside and it lets light inside. So Bruce Fairplay and Lady First were on the top seats. They witnessed the murder through the skylight. Beppo was driving the horses. Um, the We get the whole carriage's evidence and you can go in and examine it at any point during the trial. It has a sign on the back of the carriage that says Phoenix Wright Omnibus and you cannot examine the sign and there is no comment about the sign. It says Phoenix Wright Omnibus. I went, huh. Ugh. But, like, make a comment or something. Let us examine it. Let us examine it. Ryanosuke would be like, wow, that's a good name, right? Yeah, or just be like, that's a stupid name. Who would call that, like, anything? Yeah, hey, Phoenix one day is like, hey, mom, why'd you name me this name? It's going to be like, well, your granddad saw it on the back of a bus one day. (laughs) Stupid. Anyway. Um, so we're cross-examining these three witnesses. The knife juror interrupts the cross-examine to say, his mind's made up, he hates the rich, guilty. Um, so they all have a gavel pad next to him, so he slams his fist down on the gavel pad, and it bursts into flame, and he hits it again, and the fire flies to one side of the scales. It flies to the black side, and it weighs down the scales behind the judge a little bit. Um, so that's... The knife juror. And then the juror number one is also, he's like, good enough for me. And he also says guilty. Uh, So it weighs it down a little more. And we're like, wait, what's happening? Von Zeeks is like, here's the knife. And the knife that stabbed him is monogrammed with a letter M. And juror number two is like, that's good enough for me. Guilty. And juror number four is also like, "Mm, yep, sounds about right. And so now we've got four jurors who have entered in a guilty verdict. And we're, we're like, okay, I guess we'll just keep doing the cross-examination. And so we press Beppo, and Beppo testifies that he saw the instant of the stabbing. And juror number five's like, good enough for me. <laughs> and so he says guilty. And so he, had, he, he reveals he's also the master of the coachman's guild at this point, juror number five. Yeah. And so we're just down to juror number six, the old lady. <laughs> Yeah, and so the old lady's like, they're all they're all kind of looking at her, and she's like, I don't think a nice man who would donate a park, my favorite park, would do this. And we're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> right? Right. Um, Vince is pissed. He says uh, that that he's not a nice man, philanthropist. He says that McGilded's wealth is because he's a Shylock predatory lender, and the victim was one of his borrowers, and the date of the death of the victim was the final repayment day on the loan from, from McGill did. And so Susato speaks up and she's like, um, uh, prove it, <laughs> you know, like finally. Um, and this is where we get Van Zeeks's hollow chalice situation. Um, the judge you- fangirls over this. <laughs> he's like, oh, 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 he's breaking up the hollow chalice. And we're like, Hey judge, calm down. Uh, is his, this is where he fills it up with wine, right? Yeah, this is like he like pulls it out. He fills it up with wines. So They're just like, my oh my, I get to see the hello chalice, and he's like, mm, please, if this hello chalice offends, please do forgive me. Swirl, 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 swirl. This is like Benzix's running joke. Is whenever he does anything fucking crazy, he's just like, if this ex offends, pray forgive, right? Like. So if this hello chalice, if my, you know, breaking things, if, you know, this offends, pray forgive me or whatever. Anyway, he does give us a ledger. And yeah, the 
Ledger has the dead guy's name in it, and we're looking at it, but it also has Bruce Fairplay's name in it. The Witness. Hmm. Uh, so while we're busy looking at the evidence, the old lady's like, well, good enough for me. Guilty. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, I hate liars, I think is what yeah. she says. So that's all of them guilty. Guess the trial's over. We lost. Well, Sasato is like leafing through her book and she finds a footnote that says that uh, even though it is verdict time, the defense can demand a summation examination of the jurors at this time prior to the guilty verdict being put in. And Van Zeke's like, that book's 50 years old. That's an antiquated procedure. Never, Nobody does that. Um, and everybody's pissed, right? Like, But the judge is like, I mean, technically, and we're like, well, if it's antiquated, it's not illegal, right? It hasn't been overwritten in the law, right? And Van Zeke's like, well, you're right. It hasn't been overwritten. And the judge is like, go for it, defense. Here here you go. It allows you to appeal to each of the jury members um, to reverse their their verdict. And if you're successful, the trial resumes, right? Right. So everybody's pissed. Everybody. The jury's pissed. This plays out like a testimony of the jury. Um, but Susato and Ryu both keep saying, like, rather than persuade them, the textbook technique is to find a contradiction in their basis for guilt and then pit them against each other. And they keep saying, pit them against each other. Yeah. And my stupid ass is like, how do I do it? Because we learned the technique of if somebody says something in the middle of testimony, you can like flip over to them and and say, gotcha, excuse me, basically. you know, what are you what are you saying? That's not this mechanic. So I have to go through this like four fucking times until Susato is like, do you want me to explain it? You have to press X to pit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you didn't want to game. You could have taught me how to do that. <laughs> it's not that hard to say press X to pit. I get it. You could have just said press X to pit. Anyway. I think I had gone through all of them talking and then got to the end and Susato's like, pit them. With the X, and I'm like, okay, I knew it was yeah. the money thing, but you weren't letting me do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you you didn't let me do it. Um. So anyway, yeah, so two jurors have contradictory statements about the cab fare. Pitting them makes Ryu and Sasato keep saying, oh no, this is where I'm like, I'm a dumb fuck. Okay, anyway, they contradictory statements about cab fare. The driver took 20 pence for the night, but fare citywide is four pence per person. So we argue that there was another person in the cab, right? Um, this convinces those two jurors, which is the cabbie and I think the maid, to yep. reverse their verdicts. Um, but we actually have to convince four out of the six. We have to convince more than half. Yeah, what was the other one? I forgot. Um, I don't fucking remember. <laughs> Was, I didn't write it down. Oh, okay. I only remember the money one. Then there was like, there's another one. I'm like, what? There's another one. And it was, it was like, um, it knife was knife guy and either juror number one, like the, the for, jury foreman or the stenographer lady. Oh no, actually it was knife guy and grandma because it was the stabbing technique. Oh yeah. Knife guy yes. thought the stab was sideways and grandma thought the stab was downwards. And so we pit them against each other and it changes their votes. So that way, the only two we have left are the foreman and the stenographer lady. They say guilty and everyone else says not guilty at that point. Yeah, but that's enough for us to resume the trial. Right. So 
That's fun, though, because you're playing with their animations. Because Ryu's like, look at them and the motions that they're making, right? Like, oh, yes. and the, ju- the, the judge is like, they're totally different stabbing motions. It's like, oh, game, I see what you did. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah. Zeke's is pissed. Zeke's is pissed, but we're back to testimony. He Beppo's he, like he's pissed because he rips off his cloak at this point. He does, <laughs> and he's, it's his massive epaulets, and his collar's insane, uh, and it like flies into the air. I it's think. so like, it, it, like, it's flies so away. dramatic. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> Zeke's is very good. He's everything that I wanted. Right? Yes. Okay. New testimony. Beppo charged five pence a person. <laughs> Damn it, Beppo. Damn it, Beppo, you're not following the union rules. We reveal that all three of our witnesses did not actually see the moment of the stabbing, and we prove that Bruce Fairplay had motive to lie since he owed a debt to our defendant, right? Mm-hmm. But both first, the witness first, and Fairplay saw blood on on both of the hands of the person that they saw, right? They said both hands were covered in blood, but the glove we have in evidence it only has one little small spot of blood on one hand. So we insist there's another passenger. We're like, every, everything only makes sense if there's another passenger. They could have hidden here in this lower, there's a spot under the seats where there's a storage compartment for the driver. And so they were like, we could have, they could have hidden here. And so they force us to allege um, the name of a person who's sitting unseen by the skylight people. And that person is our defendant. We're just arguing that he sat on a different seat than where they were seeing the dead guy, right? Right. Everyone is like, hubbub, 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 right? We, you know, they, there's much more racism. We, we, we come from an artless backwater. Anyway, we call Magnus McGillan to the stand. He says, yeah, there was another passenger and I, I helped the little urchin get away, is what he says. He doesn't know who she was. He says he imagines that she's here in the courtroom right now watching. And then he kind of glances to the left and there's a loud bang and the entire courtroom starts to flood with smoke and everyone is evacuated. Uh, Yeah. At this point, I was like, I was thinking about how, oh, like a kid's been mentioned. What an additional twist. You know, like this is Casey's doing a good job at emotionally hard, like, like uh, things like, oh, my witness isn't super great. Or like my defendant isn't super great. Oh, this other stuff. Oh, dubious things. Oh, now a child. I was trying to blame this murder on another party. It was a child. And then bam, smoke smoke bomb. And I'm like, this is good Ace Attorney. This is some classic Ace Attorney. Right, yeah. So we're kicked to the lobby. Susato is like, oh, it was a smoke grenade. The kind, and, and Ryu's like, the kind that ninjas use? <laughs> um, but anyway, the cops caught a 15-year-old girl attempting to escape the courtroom after the smoke grenade, so. And I, the thing that pisses me off about that part is that Susato's like, a young girl at around the age of 15. Susato, you're 16. I, like, looked it up immediately. I'm like, she said that. I'm like, oh, I thought this kid was going to be, like, 10. No, Susano, you're a year older than than you. Like That than was her. smart because I had not figured out what their ages were. And I thought Susano was, like, 24. <laughs> no, she's 16. I can't believe it. That's crazy. Um, um, she should not be on this tour. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to go back to my delusional world where she's 24. Okay, that's fine. Oh, so All right, back, back in back court. court. McGilded and the girl are on the stand. Do you want to describe the unnamed girl at the moment? Uh, yeah, she's like a thin little blonde girl. Her hair's done up in a braided bun. She's got a green uh, page boy cap with a pink band and two yellow buttons on the front. 
Uh, I think her eyes are blue. She's got a light checkered patterned scarf around her neck with the ties are facing backwards. She's wearing you know, a white button up that's got like a uh, patch on the elbow. Uh, the collar's popped up uh, and there's a green vest over it. She's got um, a quarter length gray pants and tall burgundy-ish socks with brown cuffed boots, a blue crossbody bag. Uh, she's got like a mean glare and it's accompanied by like little like dirt blush marks and uh, honestly I think she's really cute uh, she's like, but she's like supposed to be like a like a really rough and scrappy kind of gal um, she throws yeah. up her hands very matter of factly with the palms up and shakes her head or she fiddles with a gold coin um, as you talk to her she speaks in cockney rhyming slang yeah also um, okay so she's not talking right now though um and so McGilded's going to testify. He testifies he heard her scream from the storage compartment underneath his seat when there when he also heard a thud. Like, he heard, like, thud, and then she screamed. And he woke up, and he saw the body on the floor. And so he got, he, he got down, and he put the body back in the seat from the floor, and then he got her out of the storage compartment, sat her down next to the body, and asked her questions. And he says that her name is Gina Lestrade. Inspector Lestrade is from the Sherlock Holmes books. Mm-hmm. He's the cop that Sherlock Holmes hangs out with. Um, but Gina is a pickpocket, not a cop. <laughs> um, so the judge demands that she confirm that she's a thief, basically. And she shoots another smoke bomb out of at him out of her like steampunk ass hand cannon. It very clearly is a Herlock hand cannon. You just look at it and you're like, oh, it yeah. Is. And it's got the is. little like clover on it that's like herlock's like logo shape or whatever it's very much his thing and she uh admits later she pickpocketed so so she does start talking now though so she she's mad at the prospect of being accused of murder like she's like i y'all probably think i did a i got caught stealing and so i killed the guy and she's very angry about this she says knives are for thugs and she's proud that all she needs is sleight of hand um, we ask about her smoke gun weapon, though, if if weapons are for thugs. And she's she says that she stole it one day, right? Yeah. Um, so McGilded lets her know it's okay to tell the truth. She, she hid under the seat since before the horses were hooked up. She was mad because McGilded was sitting on top of her, like, seat the whole time. So she couldn't, like, peek up and look out or steal anything. And then the bang surprised her involuntarily. Uh, so there's no way she could have done it because McGilded was like on her seat the whole time. So so she doesn't want the police to assume it was her and he let her go because he didn't want the police to assume it was her either. Clearly she didn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is very chivalrous of McGilded and it switches juror one and juror four's votes from guilty to innocent. Um, saying like, wow, he's so nice. He saved this girl from being accused, like, even though she's a criminal. So right now the entire jury has switched to innocent. Like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. We win, right? That's what, that's what I was led to believe. And then, and then bam, Van Zeke's leg bangs iron on the Iron Healed Wellington comes out. <laughs> and he says, if my Iron Healed Wellington's insults you, pray forgive me. I want a bad shirt called Iron Heels Wellingtons. (laughs) It's very good. And also, are they Wellingtons? They go up well past his knees. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. So he says, well, in the police report, the storage container underneath the seat had stuff in it. 
it had belongings of Beppo. And indeed, when we looked at the carriage earlier in the trial, it was full of stuff. But uh, if you look at it now, but if you go there. look at it now, it's empty. And there's a brand new blood stain on the floor, but nobody has mentioned that one yet. The evidence has been tampered with. So Van Zeeks asked Ryunosuke whether it was empty at the start of the trial. Um, McGilded suggests that we clear things up and say it was empty, right? We are given the opportunity to lie. Um, so I will say at this point, I had started this case, stopped for like a week and came back to it and didn't remember the truth. So I was like, oh, shoot. And so I examined it again. It was empty. So I lied by accident. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I did both not by accident. So if you lie, McGilded does kind of a sinister laugh and says that you know just what to say. Like, it's such a good thing you're his defense. Um, Rinosuke says something feels wrong about the answer. And then the court throws up to the jury and number five, the guildsman juror, says it should have been full of equipment. Beppo would have never kept it empty. And juror number three and four follow suit saying, it's a trick, it's a lie. Of course the rich would lie. Like, no, I hate lies, right? Right. So they all shift to guilty. If you don't lie, if you say, at, no, it was full at the beginning of the trial, McGill is absolutely pissed at you. And he's like, what's your game? Your job is to defend me. Um, but Ryanosuke is holding firm to the facts. Um, McGilded says it doesn't matter what people thought they saw. It matters is the facts as they are. And the fact as they is, the fact as they is right now is that the cubby is empty. And then Ryanosuke, we just go immediately to Ryanosuke saying something doesn't feel right here. And then the jury changes its mind. Three, four, and five change their mind. Right? Mm-hmm. So not that much different if you lie or not. But it is interesting that they give you the option. Yeah. Trial continues. We cross-examine. The girl was listening for the door of the carriage to open because she wanted McGilded to leave so she could get out of the cubbyhole, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sh- but sh- you ask her this multiple times. Did you hear the door of the carriage open? No, that's what I was listening for. I didn't hear it open. So she never actually heard the victim board the carriage. Ding, 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 ding. So Van Zeeks is like, well, this this inconsistency means her entire testimony is lies. And Granny, juror number six, and juror number one, the gentleman foreman, both switched to guilty because they're like, well, you know, we don't know what to believe, right? Yeah, which I'm just, I, my note here is like, you call the girl a liar, but she's not the one on trial. <laughs> what this is he doing? This is true. Um, juror number three, the maid lady, is about to also ship to guilty, but we do a quick hold it. And we say, look, if we take her testimony as true, then it sheds new light on the case, right? It means that the guy didn't enter the carriage. He fell down through the skylight, right? The victim fell through the skylight. The witnesses are very upset at the implication that they did a moita, right? Oh, yeah. Um, there's a fully, the Hatter guy first has a fully the worst <laughs> animation I've ever seen in Ace Attorney. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's like he's riding a horse. He's mimicking riding a horse as if his butt was the horse. I don't know how it's, to describe it. I think that the, I think what they were trying to do, because they're all, when they're on the stand, they're all like lined up in a row. And later, McGilded is next to him on his, on you, the viewer's right side, right? So this right. this kid wearing the Frankenstein hat, and then McGilded is next to him to the right. 
So what they were trying to do is have this kid face McGilded and shake his fist at him, but also get down on eye level with McGilded, who's very short, recall. So he has to fully stick his entire ass in Bruce Fairplay's <laughs> face to do this. <laughs> I very much like a kid like a, he's like jumping up and down it does make a clop a clip cloppity noise though it it does like I mean I think you're you might be right like it's very horse adjacent but like his entire ass is in McGilded's face no it's not McGill is in Bruce Fairplay's face and, and it's Bruce just Playboy the worst is chewing on his his walking stick like a beaver and I yeah hate like <laughs> like fully it's a he's wearing he has a cane right so it has a little metal knob on it and he's full he's going to town on that thing <laughs> it's so upsetting even Rionosuke mentions it at a point yeah Rionosuke's like let's stop eating our cane shall we he's like just teeth I gotta figure this out before his teeth all break <laughs> absolutely fucked I hate I the animations in this game are beautiful and horrifying at the same time <laughs> yeah. right okay um so we you know fell through the sky like the witnesses are very upset um the jury demands that they testify though like okay this is new information so they testify they didn't know the victim they had no connection to the victim how could they have even cared about the victim no connection right and so this is where we do our little like witnesses are talking over each other thing Mm -hmm. mcgill did is like oh ho ho um well i think that actually you see mr frankenstein hat over here the hatter has a very distinctive style in his hats. And if you look at the victim, he's also wearing a Frankenstein hat. I clearly first made his hat and first looks at it and he's like, oh no, that is my hat. And then McGilded is like, and the other guy, Bruce Fairplay, owed me money just like the victim. That's, you know, they both have a connection, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> so now, work. while I already hate Lady First, the witness... He tells an extremely unfortunate farting story. (laughs) I knew you would hate it. I knew you would be so mad. (laughs) I was like, fuck this kid. I hate this. So the point of the farting story is that he could, the skylight doesn't open is what he's testifying to. Because one time he was inside a carriage and he farted and he couldn't get the skylight open to air it out. And everyone was mad at him. Wow. I have no sympathy. Um, so we go into the carriage and examine, and we do find that it opens. It opens from the top deck, and lo and behold, there's a blood stain there on the inside of the, like, you open the latch, and then it's it, it kind of uh, rolls in. It doesn't, like, fold down or fold up. It, like, scoots into the body of the carriage, and there's a blood stain there. But the blood stain is the color of the new stain on the floor. It's not the color of the old stain that was there when we started the trial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the whole jury's, like, gonna switch to not guilty all at once. They all raise their fist in the air, and I can't believe this farting story got them, but they're... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the blood stain. But Vincent Zeke's <laughs> And he knows that that bloodstain was not there during the initial investigation with the cops. He was there during the initial investigation with the cops. And he knows McGilded tampered because McGilded has a history of tampering with uh, court cases and facts and crime scenes of other trials to get the outcome that he wants. So, of course, it was tampered with during the smoke bomb incident, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we bring this up we're like oh they're like when could it have been tampered with and we're like the smoke bomb you, you idiots remember when we all left the courtroom <laughs> mcgill is pissed why how dare you bring this up right i was kind of 
I have a note here that says I was kind of excited that we were going to actually make the prosecution present evidence for fucking once in our life. <laughs> but no, we don't. Um, Van Zeeks cannot corroborate the fact that the blood was not there at the start of the trial. Right. He has right. no proof. Um, and we also go out of our way to say, also, this blood stain on the ground is probably not there originally. It's new. Uh, and McGilded is so incredibly pissed, he, like, almost breaks, right? Right. And he says, the trial is over, right? He's like, this trial is over. The prosecution has no decisive evidence, and the recollection of individuals cannot beat the facts of the bloodstain being there right now. And the judge agrees. The judge is like, you know, quite frankly, we can't, he's right. You know, we've got the evidence that we've got. As a formality, we're going to... Go to the defense, right? You can do your closing argument, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can either say that you think that your client is innocent or you think that your client could be guilty. Mm-hmm. And if you say innocent, Van Zeeks toasts to you and says it's the most abject closing statement in history. Um, McGilded is pleased, uh, but said it was just a formality anyway. Uh, and then does a big evil laugh, Gant clap. Um, if... Uh, if you say he was guilty, he's just pissed at you, but the same thing happens, basically. Yeah. Uh, and Zeke roasts you for having no dignity. You know, like, eh, nobody wins. Um, the judge is going to make a ruling, and Ryunosuke objects before the ruling because we don't actually know the truth. Right. Um, the judge says it doesn't matter. The prosecution's case was flawed and that the evidence was tampered with, but it's the prosecution's fault for the evidence being tampered with. And allowing it to be vulnerable. Everybody's unhappy except for Magnus McGilded. But we get a not guilty. Um, and so the case is over. We get some and we fireworks. go out to the... There's fireworks in the, in the courtroom. We go out to the lobby and McGilded says he's going to give us a thousand gold... What are they called? Gin- guineas? Is it guineas? I was... I got to mix up all my fictional currency for a second. <laughs> I think they're... Uh, I don't know. I think it's guineas. So he's going to give us a thousand guineas and we say, oh, no, no, we couldn't take, couldn't possibly take that because we're fucking idiots. Yep. <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, but they're going to re-examine the carriage and McGill had asked to be present when that happens. So he goes back into the courtroom. We're still in the lobby with Gina Lestrade and she talks about how much she hates grown-ups. We are a year and two years older than her, but okay, she, Gina. She hates grown-ups so much. And then Iris Wilson shows up, and we she, we don't get to actually hear her name. She doesn't introduce herself. But she's here to retrieve her smoke grenade launcher, which she puts some sort of steampunk-ass tra- GPS tracker on. And Gina, she's like, Gina Lestrade, basically, you have to apologize. I'm taking you back to the lab to apologize for stealing this. And she's like, why do I gotta apologize? And and Iris Wilson's like, didn't a grown-up tell you one time you gotta apologize? And she's like, I hate grown-ups. But then she goes anyway. <laughs> okay. And we're like, this what's is where... about? Hmm, weird. Where are we gonna yeah. sleep tonight? Fuck, I don't know. We should have taken yeah. that money. <laughs> Meanwhile, the the Sasato and Reno's care are like, well, we have nowhere to sleep tonight. We should have taken the money. And she's like, well, I know a nice park to sleep in, right? Like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> smash cut, anime cutscene inside the courtroom. The carriage is on fire. 
fully on fire, engulfed in, like, full to the sky, engulfed in flames. It's huge fire. And someone is trapped inside. Like, it's it's moving, and the door is shaking, and there's banging. All of the... There's so many cops running towards it. And we see Van Zeeks and the judge kind of, like, come out from a back room. First the judge. So, like, oh, thank God the judge is safe. And he's like, oh, my God. And then Van Zeeks, like, we open the door a little wider, and Van Zeeks there, and he's extremely stoic. And just kind of gazing at the fire. Is his cape back on? I think he did put his cape back on. Yeah, Yeah. so it just adds to his vampire vibes again. Him standing, staring pensively at a burning carriage. Yeah. And then cut to black. And that's the case. That's the case. Um, My two takeaways of this case are, one, Ryanosuke Naruhoto brought the death penalty to Japan. And two... This game has got to be about just disappointment, right? Like, you, we have not had a single case solved the entire fucking game. Right. Um, and at one point, uh, Mel Strongheart says, please don't expect an answer to every question. And I was, and I, I quoted that, I said, this should be the tagline of the game. This is the tagline of the game. I don't know how much longer, though, I can go if we don't have anything resolved. Like, we're not even necessarily creating new threads. Like, we're not, like, winding... It doesn't even feel like we're winding our way to a satisfying resolution in this game. It just feels like we're kind of staggering through just by the, you know... In in classic Ace Attorney 5 style, like, by the seat of our pants and and by just the grace of the skin of our teeth, we are surviving. Yeah. The- That's my real life. I don't need that in a video game. <laughs> could we just, could you give me anything? What I game? find, like, I'm very grateful in this regard that we got all ten cases, game one and two, as a bundle, because if I got this as like Ace, like the first game by itself when it came out, I would be so disappointed that yeah. these are the first three cases are all sort of introduction cases, and there's only two cases left of the game. Like, I agree I s- completely. Yeah, spent so much time and money getting my hand held to have no resolution and tutorial land. Uh, so I'm glad in this way I'm getting this like full ten cases in one go. But like I'm like. I'm confused how this is a full, this was supposed to be a full-fledged game by itself. That's all I keep thinking about while Seriously. I play this. Seriously. Unless we like tie a bow on it in the last two, which it does not feel like that's going to happen. It feels like wow, you know, in ye olde times people just didn't know shit and then we all had to live, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I kind of actually going like as we started, I forgot about Mal Strongheart. I hope he comes back cuz otherwise what was the point of him? Well, he's gotta come back because he's got such mad final villain energy, right? Well, yeah, I said he had murder eyes, I believe. Or tiny evil eyes, is what I said. Yeah, he just feels so much like the final boss. Um, uh, and so, I mean, Von Zeeks is everything I wanted him to be. The racism in this is, um, there still. I don't feel as a offended by it for the most part in this case as i did in the first two cases but there were definitely parts where they were being real rough they it was there was real rough parts i'm just wondering if we're becoming numb to it which is like bad in a different way uh i was i'm just kind of glossy i'm trying to not harp on it all the time because i know that's boring 
Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, I was because I was waiting to see how bad being called Neponese felt <laughs> and I couldn't decide. <laughs> it felt weird. Um, I also did get worried, though, that all of our villains were going to be women when Gina Lestrade was accused of now being the murderer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we ultimately we don't know who the murderer is. I don't think that she I don't think she was there. I don't. I don't, she was either not there at all or, like, probably not there at all, honestly. But when we were bringing her out, I really was worried. I'm like, well, that's three women now. Yeah. Also, she's on the cover. And I know I keep going back to this, but if they don't want me to, like, learn shit from the cover, don't make ensemble covers. I know yeah. it's all the rage with the Avengers, right? And all the Avengers on the cover, right? And they keep fucking doing it. But, like, don't do it if you don't want me to know people are important. She's on the cover. I think she's, like, in the later game because she's, like, running around on the cover. I kind of hope so. I really like her character. I do like her. Look, don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of actually really like her. Um, but uh, Von Zeke's other thing where he tosses his chalice and breaks it into the lamp, I busted out laughing. I just wasn't expecting it. I thought it was, like, a hilarious anger temper tantrum he was throwing. It is very good that that he, like, fully chucks his full wine grill, his hallowed chalice, like, breaks it. It's very good. Um, um, I did read somewhere, and I don't know if this is real or not, but that, like, a lot of his animations were gonna be Godot's animations, including the leg thing. Oh my god. So, like, if Godot had- Godot does coffee, right? But Godot right. also, you know- Gets a glass and ch- and throws it, right? Right. So it kind of feels similar. So Godot was going to object with his leg, which is a pretty good fun fact. Good fun fact. Um, the other thing, too, is I, like, I'm noticing, which is part of, like, Ryu's uh, growth kind of thing, is, like, he starts, you know, like, Ryu, like, does his, like, hand slap on the, when he objects, but he starts mimicking Von Zeke's, like, more aggressive kind of slam, and I'm like, oh. Either that's a coincidence, like, they just gave him the same, like, desk pound, or, like, he's, like, Ryu's, like, mimicking everybody he meets. Which I, I th- didn't even notice that. That's a good catch. Which I think it's, like, a fun little, like, oh, he's growing. His objection's still weak sauce, but, you know, everything else, like, feels like it's becoming more fleshed out. Yeah. Uh, but like I said earlier, I think, like, the trial itself, like, in the case itself, was very good with good twists and turns. It's just that disappointment of, like, I was like, oh, what a good twist. He was pushed from the top. And it's like, actually, it's all fabricated and a lie. And I'm like, okay, well, then I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and and then it's like, so now what do I do? And the answer is, you don't. The answer is you don't, which feels bad. And then, like, as the player, for you once again just go, well, I guess Magnus killed him because who else could have done it? Yeah. Unless there was another... like It's just like, yeah, I I am dissatisfied by my lack of resolution as the player. Yeah, but I also can't tell if that's the point. Like, if they're doing that on purpose. They are. It's definitely on purpose now. To, like, teach us a what? To, like, make us just be unresolved and, like, sometimes that's life, baby? Right? Like... I Yeah, we have to come to a head with some of this hopefully by the end of this fifth case otherwise i'm gonna be uh disappointed i guess sometimes your friend dies and he still gets to be bigger than you on the cover of your (laughs) video game (laughs) i mean i guess that's what we're supposed to learn here right i suppose so 
I don't know. Uh, 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 we're going to keep going. I do think this one was much better paced than... Oh, absolutely. Uh, than the last two. Like, uh, the other... The last two have been kind of a slog, and this one felt a lot better. Yeah, I felt like there was a lot of, like, go, go, go. Um, I don't necessarily... I mean, like, the justice system is flawed, so I don't like that all the jurors are like, mm, guilty, and the case is over. <laughs> but yeah. that's the point. <laughs> Yeah, it's the point. But, I don't know. I mean, Herlock is coming back next one. Oh, yeah, he'll be back. And now we gotta formally meet Iris. Yeah, but I mean, does that mean next one's gonna have full investigation and full court? Because that's gonna be so long at this rate. You know, though, but, like, it will be so long, but, like, I hope so. I freaking hope we get a full case. Like I just said, I've been feeling gypped about the amount of game. (laughs) I would absolutely like a full case. At this point, it's just going to be very long with, like, everyone's whimsy and antics all the time. And I guess that's what I'm here for. It's A's attorney, but I'm just kind of like, how are they going to pace it? They're not, they they can't pace these non-cases very good. Are they going to be able to pace a full case any good? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out. We going to find out. I'm excited to have a full case. Um, I don't think I have any other thoughts. Uh, the music continued to be kind of Layden-esque and not anything wowing. Yeah, uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not, I'm not like seeking it out. Not the, it's not like the old stuff where I would just put it on. Like I put on a, the objection theme to get pumped or make, make a, the logic theme my ringtone or the, um, put on a 10 hour Godot's theme jazz cut with rain in the background, you know, like, uh, this stuff, not, not as much. I'm not, it's not that memorable. Yeah, I would say it's not that memorable. It's good. It's well orchestrated. I just, uh, it's not, it's not super remarkable. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything else on this case, honestly. Um, I enjoyed it. That's basically like, hey, I finally enjoy- <laughs> enjoyed it. I know, me too. I did like this one. It just makes us keep wanting more because we need resolution somehow as a player right um but i think we'll wrap it up then here uh you got your full case recap we'll uh see you guys next month but if you have any more thoughts like i said uh send us to object to this podcast at gmail.com any case summaries any case thoughts anything overall um you know we'll 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 keep on trucking through these uh and you can always send us a message on tumblr at object to this.tumblr.com or you can you know I mean, those are places you reach out to us. You can listen to this yeah. on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Stitcher, Spotify, uh, anywhere that fine podcasts are sold, but not YouTube, because we don't put it up there. If anyone's putting it up on YouTube, you're wrong. Um, thanks to our Shadow Rage 2 off the YouTubes for use of our theme song, Hey Palette Detective Gum Shoe Remix. Thanks, Michelle, for the garbage at the end. Uh, email us. That's it. I think that's it. That's it. That's everything. Uh, so in the meantime, I'm Stephanie. I'm Michelle. And that was Object to This, so why don't you object to that? <laughs> <laughs>